Hello and welcome to the Career Changers podcast. I'm Elisa Martinic and I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of the Career Changers. I'm definitely one of them. I learned from my experience that following our dreams requires courage, self-awareness and a lot of inner work. I love to discover stories of career change and share them with the world as a source of inspiration for all those who are still searching. Career changes are not a straightforward chronology written in our CVs, but the sum up of our dreams, ambitions, failures and successes. The Career Changers is an online community that aims to inspire thousands of people during their journey to self-realization. We discover and share inspirational real-life stories of career change. We inspire people that are thinking to change career. We support people that want or need to change career, but feel stuck or lacking confidence and clarity. We connect and collaborate with organizations that support career change across different industries. I believe that thinking to have only one job or career in our life is a limiting belief, unless the job or that career make us happy. Life is a journey, and with one third of our lives spent working, it would be unimaginable to not have a desire to explore new avenues. Welcome to the Career Changers podcast. Hello and welcome to the Career Changers. Our guest today is Kathleen Rawls, educator, writer, coach and athlete. She said, after spending 15 years as a secondary history teacher in the US and Norway, I defended my dissertation just as the pandemic hit. Since then, I left my full-time teaching career And today, I share my knowledge with other females in business, education, service, and sports, empowering them to both find their voices and become the leaders that they were always meant to be. Hi, Kathleen. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. (laughs) That's great. Um, So, well, you are our guest to inspire uh, the career changers. But the great thing is that you are a career changer yourself. Mm-hmm. So let's look a little bit at your background and how did you start your professional life? Or better, what was your first job? Yeah, <laughs> well, I was a sports journalist. Uh, my first degree is in journalism and I've always been active in sport. And I was a sports writer for a newspaper uh, from Massachusetts here in the U.S. So um I did that for several years um, and I would write from 5 p.m. when games would start and work to like 3 a.m. And I was the only female on a staff of eight men at the newspaper I worked at in Lowell, Massachusetts. And um, they were pretty well established in their careers. And so not a lot of wiggle room for me to bring in some new ideas um, or to really build a lot of like close friendships. and my mom is a retired teacher and she had always said, you know, I could see you being a teacher and um, I didn't want to be my mom. You know, you didn't want to be like, oh, you're just doing what your mom does. So I had kind of like shunned the education field. But a few years into my career in journalism, I had decided that maybe I was ready for a change. 
So what was actually your dream job when you were a child? Yes, teacher. I was, I always saw myself as a teacher. My mom dressed me. I felt like I looked like a little teacher, you know, and I was <laughs> a little, little kid in school. Wore a lot of dresses that I hated, but I looked like the teacher. And um, again, just didn't want to be like my mom. I wanted to do something different. And I really enjoyed writing. And um, in my last year of high school, I had a, a journal. I took a journalism class just kind of for fun. And I had a great teacher, Mrs. Marcotte. And she said, you know, Kathleen, I think you really have something here. And I'm going to publish this article that you wrote in class for our school newspaper. And she kind of spiked something in me. And that led me to pursue journalism. Mm. Um, so what is your educational background? Yeah, so my first degree is in journalism. And I went to University of Massachusetts in Amherst. It's the big one here. And then um, after I decided to get serious about education, I moved to Washington, D.C., and I went to American University and uh, I worked in the athletic department. That was part of my deal was to get school paid for and work at the university. And I have a degree in education from there, a master's. And I also have a PhD from the University of Massachusetts Lowell in leadership and education. So you have an impressive educational background. <laughs> well, I tend to stick with things, so. <laughs> um. But that sounds very good uh, uh, to hear. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about uh, the career change. Uh, but actually, uh, because you mentioned you were a sport journalist first, uh, first you went into teaching. So that was your first career change. So mm -hmm. how and uh, when did you start thinking about uh, um, transitioning your first career? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, you know, once I, um, in journalism, I. Part of it, too, was I was covering these events just to kind of close out that first career change. I was covering these sporting events and talking with coaches. And I thought, you know, they're really making a difference with the, the young people that they're working with, the athletes. And I wanted to do that. And I was also coaching on the side. So that kind of drove me to change. I had started to do a little bit of substitute teaching, which is always like, you know, the joke, you know, like everyone's mean to the substitute, but it, it went actually okay for me. And I thought if I can kind of hang as a substitute, I, maybe I can do this for real. So I was a high school history teacher for 15 years or a secondary teacher. And I taught us and world history, um, in Washington, DC and in Massachusetts. And I also got a chance to go to Norway and teach there for a year, which was awesome. And, um, I came back and I, when I came home from Norway, it was such an opportunity. My, my school had given me a leave of absence. And they said, go ahead, go off for the year, teach. It was a scholarship, a one-year deal at Fulbright. And they said, well, you know, you can come back to your job. And they were so gracious about it. And when I came home, I thought, wow, like, I don't know that I can spend the rest of my life, you know, in this classroom. And, and um, one of the women that I met during my Fulbright in Norway she said, I was thinking about maybe getting another master's in international education. I love to travel. And um, she said, you know, Kathleen, in education, getting another master's isn't really going to set you apart from other people. You know, a lot of people do that in education. But if you do a Ph.D., you're limitless. And I thought, OK, you know, <laughs> so that kind of ignited that opportunity. And um, I just picked I was working from most of my my doctorate research and um, 
I had a chance to go to Ethiopia. So that's where I completed my research. I worked with a group of girl runners there um, and asked them the research question, do girls who participate in sport perceive greater voice empowerment as a result? Because I felt like uh, my voice has always been a lot stronger whenever I'm training or competing. There's a confidence that comes out in me in other ways. Well, as long as I stay active and I wanted to know if these girls felt the same way and they did. <laughs> and um, as you said at the beginning, I, I defended my dissertation on the very last day of in-person classes at my university in March, 2020. And I had already left my teaching job and I thought I was gonna be a professor. You know, I thought this was kind of the natural inclination, but I had a couple job opportunities, but they weren't really ones I was, uh, was gonna be able to, to make happen. Uh, they were going to require some moving from me and my husband. So I was kind of lost in the first year of the pandemic, to be honest. So what challenges did you have to overcome uh, to change your career? Yeah, so, um, you know, throughout most of 2020, I wasn't working full time. I was uh, I took a part time, um, like a tutoring position in a school to work with students uh, who don't like to read because I love to read. <laughs> um, and um, I applied for over 100 and I think close to 150 jobs, all different uh, positions uh, related to education, mostly, but more in administration and working for businesses. And I didn't get a single interview. <laughs> I got nothing back. And I thought, wow, like I've invested all this. I've never had a problem getting a job as a teacher, but moving into this new field, I really struggled. And um, I finally reached out to my university. You know, it was, I'm, I, we have a long winter. I'm in New England and Mass and the US. So we have long, cold, dark winters. And I was really feeling it. And I was like, oh, I don't have a job. We're in a pandemic. <laughs> I'm totally at a loss. And I reached out to my career services at my university. And she said, you know, Kathleen, um, stop applying. Because unless you know someone right now, the job market's pretty slow. It's, it's different now. But this was early 2021. And she said, let's just network. And why don't you just talk with people? And I'll set up some meetings for you. And, and uh, being a little introvert, I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'll, I'll go along with that. Um, but it was really helpful. I, I talk with other people who are career changers and I'm 44. So it's a mid career change for me. And I got to talk with others who had made the leap and gave me some good advice. So you mentioned before you're passionate about sports. I've been a sport journalist and also recently published a book called Take Care Word for It. Uh, sports cultivate world class leaders. Mm -hmm. What has inspired you to write this book? Yes. Um, well, after the I met the girls in Ethiopia and got a chance to um, see what their lives are like as young girl athletes. I've also been a, a secondary coach, mostly for girl athletes here in the U.S. for over 20 years. And I thought, OK, I get their perspective as young women. But what about adults? And what, how have their lives been impacted, their professional lives impacted by their participation in sport? So I interviewed women um, living in the US, living in Europe, living in the Middle East, and talked about their experiences as athletes. One of them is a professional athlete 
the rest are like me who just enjoy training, competing, creating, you know, friendships over training, just the kind of the, um, you know, the, the camaraderie of it, you know, and, the, and whatever success looks like to you. So um, that's kind of what drove me is to find out um, what adult women, how adult women feel about that. <laughs> So as the career change, other career changes, we often talk about the challenges that athletes have to face when ending their careers. Um, as a passionate of sports, what is your experience on this side? Um, about career ending for for people for sports people specifically. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, that's interesting. You know, um, I think. Um, well, I, if I can use my husband as an example, he's not a professional athlete either, but he was a division one runner um, at university and um, has been, you know, he's fast to me. He runs, you know, sub seven minute marathons. Um, and so, but as he's also in his early forties and he has talked a lot about his reticence to run another marathon because he's like, I know it will never be as fast as I was able to run in my twenties and in my thirties. And so there is something holding him back. That's holding him back. I think from kind of getting in and, and finding those new challenges. Um, I was never as competitive as him or talented as him, I should say. And so for me, um, I'm okay with being a little bit slower, but for me, it's more about the effort and the new challenges. So there's a little bit of a change in mindset, I would say from, uh, for me, I'm like, I'm okay with <laughs> being slower, I'm, but I know that if I stay with things, I can improve in other ways. And for him, he's like, I'm slower. It's not as good. <laughs> it's a more limited viewpoint of success. As a sport journalist and then uh, um, with your book, did you have the opportunity to discuss with athletes um, how to transition their career once uh, um, the success was over? Yes. Um, one of the women that's featured in my book is a U.S. Olympic track athlete named Kate Grace. And um, Kate Grace is in her early 30s. And she's actually, um, in her own words, she's at the top of her game. Like she has been competing, you know, she's getting stronger and faster um, at a time when a lot of people and even her, even she expected to be a little bit slower at the end of her career. So um, but she talked to me about, you know, what's next for her. You know, she said, I know at some point I'm not going to be as fast as I am right now. I won't be able to, you know, to compete at a world-class level. And so she talked, you know, about her ability as a, as a female runner, she's very active on social media, talking about her trials and tribulations and being very honest and how she can continue to connect with groups, um, and with people, maybe in the health industry once her career is over. So she's looking at the skills that she's developing as a professional persona, as a professional athlete, and how she can translate them into a fulfilling second career. Do you think, uh, I mean, for how much you know, that there is enough support out there to help uh, athletes career their tra uh, transition their career? You know, it's a, a good question. I just was thinking too, I have another friend, um, he is um, uh, Matthew Sensowitz. He won the gold in Rio in the 1500 in 2016. Um, his family and, I and my family are friends. And 
Um, he's doing, he talked to me once about doing some, taking some classes um, through universities, through Harvard and other places to figure out how to take the, the winnings that he is earning now as a professional athlete and how to create a business, you know, um, you know, business opportunities for him once his athletic career is over. So I think it would depend on the sport. I think maybe is my best question. Um, and how much money is available per year sport? Because there's a lot of professional athletes, as we know, that they just don't make the money. So let's move on. And um, I took something from your website. So many times we can be our worst judges. Um, you said we all know that uh, that person who has all the earmarks of a leader, but is reluctant to showcase them. Maybe they are not sure how to function in a world that uh, more often rewards the extrovert. Mm. How do you help them um, engage their potential? Yes, that question, that prompt is built on my own experiences for sure. And I think, you know, when I speak with clients and, and just friends in general, um, one of the things I do share with them is to really focus on what's going well for you. because that person often has a tendency to, you know, we all do, uh, to really focus on what they're not good at, what isn't their strength. Um, and so often, like I just had a conversation with the client this morning and she was talking about, she's a, a, um, a professor and she said, you know, I, I get into these meetings and, you know, we talk about curriculum and so the loudest people always seem to get their way when it comes to changes in curriculum. But I feel like my ideas are really good. And I said, you know, people in that meeting go in and think, you know, I'll use a pseudonym that Jen isn't, um, isn't going to come in yelling. She's going to have something calm to say. They're waiting to hear what you think. And so keep that in mind. You know, you don't have to be anyone but yourself in this meeting and you're going to get your point across and, um, you know, know that. So if there's lots of loud personalities, find that space, you know, um, we can't all be the same person and we need a lot of different kinds of leadership. Mm -hmm. So often uh, uh, success um, is much with uh, an idea that we need to be maybe quite aggressive and being out there. Um, but you say that if you think that taking the lead means talking first, talking the longest and talking the loudest, think again. Many leaders use social instincts to effectively communicate great ideas, attitudes, and team's norms in a way that provides space for greater participation and team growth. Mm -hmm. What is the secret to be kind and, uh, well, being successful at the same time? Yes. I mean, I think um, it's, a, it's a, a quest for myself that I've been pursuing for a long time. It was one of the key questions I asked the woman um, that I interviewed for my book. And um, a lot of the women kept coming back to this idea of, you know, to stop the comparison um, with other people and how to do that. And a lot of times I said, you know, we needed a mentor to say, you know, um, here are all the things that are going well. There was a, one of the women I featured is a woman named Kim. She's a, a law partner in a firm in Chicago. And she was a division one college runner. And um, she was, when she was going up for partnership, you know, she was in her background, in her head, she thought, well, 
the legal piece I have. I know that I'm a good lawyer. I know that I'm prepared. I know that I know that I can do that. But part of being a partner is you need to bring in business. And she said, you know, I come from a family. We didn't have a lot of money, um, a wonderful family, but we didn't have much financially. And so I don't have those connections that some of these partners have that grew up around wealthy family and friends. And uh, um, one of her mentors sat her down and just said, you know, you're going to be great just as you are. Like, you you know that you're a good lawyer. And, um, you know, be yourself. That's why they're considering you. They need to hear your perspective. And so it, it was really helpful for her to realize that it wasn't just about bringing in money, that she had other skills that they needed at that level. Um, and it's something that she said she has shared, you know, at the partner level now. She said, you know, when I got into my first early partner meetings, it was a real like kind of a negative vibe talking about some of the junior, you know, lawyers. And she said, I, one of my first things I did was try and bring a more positive tone in my way, you know, to these meetings, not be forceful, not try and match other voices, not try and mimic what was already happening in the meeting, but to be a new member. And she said, I, you know, I knew I had to be myself. So, um, you know, I thought that was really a great example of just having the confidence to be yourself when it matters the most. So we often forget how each of us with our choices can have a positive impact in the world. How do you feel your career changes made the world a better place? Mm. Well, I do miss teaching because, you know, when you talk about it, teaching, you know, you I worked with 120 students each day in the classroom and then 50, 60 more, maybe depending on the season with young athletes after school. So that's a hard um, that that is a little bit hard to to reconcile with sometimes. Um, but I think in my in my new career as a female empowerment coach and as an author, I'm able to work with a new audience and to work with a more adult audience and speak about my experiences. And I think that's really exciting. Um, you know, it's a new challenge for me, you know, speaking in front of, um, teenagers doesn't make me nervous. <laughs> like it does for a lot of people. I'm like, I can do this, you know, young people all day long, but speaking and really working with adults who are wanting to make a true difference out of, you know, in their careers is a new challenge for me, but I think it's really important. I think there are women in so many different professions that need this kind of advice I think there's a lot of focus about women in business who are trying to make, you know, are making strides in a man's world. But I think that this is reflective in a lot of other places. And that's what I found in my research. Fear, a lack of clarity and confusion can make us wonder if there is more to life than what we are living. Uh, what can make us understand if we are heading in the right direction? How do we know we're heading in the right direction? Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, great question. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think it's a it's a I've, I have found in the past year or so as I'm building my business and learning about being an entrepreneur, as I never even taken a business course. I took math for the modern world like 25 years ago as my university math class. So I've been pretty much avoiding this field and now I'm throwing myself into it. There've been a lot of times when I've thought, what am I doing? Yeah. 
um, you know, launching the business, launching the book, there's constantly second guessing. And so, um, but one of the things I thought of is, you know, like I, I need to see the other side of it. I need to keep going, you know, being an athlete, you know, being kind of an a pretty average athlete as I am, but someone who is really consistent about it. Um, I know that that consistency is, makes me a better runner or makes me a better, I play field hockey in a women's league and I'm like twice the age of some of the, my teammates, but there is a, there is a key to that consistency. And in that consistency, there's a lot of down, down days. You know, today I went for a run. It was terrible. I was so slow. I felt terrible. I felt awful, but I thought I'm training for a trail marathon next weekend in New York. And I thought this is just one day. And, uh, Saturday I had the most amazing run and I thought it's okay. Just get through the day and keep going. And I think, um, a lot of us just need to see that consistent, you know, don't look for the big ups, just look for that consistency. Am I still working towards the same goal? Great. Keep going. So based on your experience, what type of advice would you give to anyone, um, along their path to self-realization? Hmm. Um, I would, sorry, I sometimes envision like someone walking along the road that, you know, you meet them and you're there and say, what can I tell you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I actually, after my field hockey game on Tuesday night there, I had a, I, I, we stood outside in the cold. There were three, three of us. One woman is considering a pretty serious career change. Um, she's a woman and maybe young, early to mid thirties. And uh, one of the women is a job recruiter. There's myself who is a career changer. And then there's this, you know, woman and, you know, she has a good job. She has the house, the family, the whole bit. And this job um, has a lot of pluses, but so much unknown. And, you know, we're going through the benefits and the stocks and the salary and all those really important things. And I said to her, you know, I actually, I was joking and I just, you know, like made, like leapt like a, like a rabbit, <laughs> you know, I was like, you're ready to make the hop. You're ready to make the jump here. And I said, are there, are you going to be able to do and learn new things in this job and this future position? Like is, you know, are you learning in your old job? And she's like, no, I mean, I, I know what to do. I can get in and do it. And there's a comfort in that, but there'd be a lot of new opportunities to learn from some really cool people and some new experiences in the new job. And I was like, that's everything to me, you know, go for it. <laughs> and I think that's something that, um, you know, we, we, sometimes we get too comfortable, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, we do. And, and even as a teacher, I was like, I can go in and teach. I know my curriculum. I know my students. I know what is expected of me in the communities where I've taught but I got too comfortable. And what I'm doing now is petrifying some days, but you keep going, right? Yeah, exactly. So um, while we're approaching the end of this episode, uh, but I would like to ask you, what are your plans for the future? And if anyone would like to come um, to get in touch with you, how and where they can find you? Yeah. So um, for now, I'm going to be launching my business, um, and my book comes out in May. It'll be available on Amazon, ebook, and paperback. So I'm going. I'm right now. I'm putting together a book tour with my editor. So that's very exciting. Um, <laughs> yes, 
So I'm going to keep, um, I said I had that trail marathon next weekend and I kind of planned it as like a launch to all these new things. I thought, well, I'll kind of get this physical goal and climb a mountain for 42 K kilometers and then survive it and then keep going. Um, but, um, I think, you know, just kind of getting my business, getting the book launched and getting out and, and meeting lots of people. And I hope long-term to continue to write too, because it is a real passion of mine. So if people want me to want to work with me, uh, if other career changers, um, um, people who would like me to come and speak with their organizations, people who are interested in my book, they can visit me at my website at KathleenRawls.com. Thank you. And uh, now really the last question. If you could <laughs> give uh, yourself a piece of advice, what would you say to your younger self? Yes. Oh, it is all about confidence. <laughs> I think for me, um, you know, is confidence was always a major problem and still continues, I think, to be a challenge for me at times. So I think for me to really follow my heart, to have that confidence to uh, make a decision and be confident in that decision. Well, thank you, Kathleen, for joining us today and sharing your inspirational career change story and wisdom. And the last message for our listeners, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and tune in next week for a new inspirational episode of The Career Changes. Thank you. Thank you so much.